Hey, Boca Podcast listeners, just a really quick note before we get into my conversation with Aaron Nace today. We had some audio issues and you know, ultimately there's no telling what exactly was causing them. Likely some type of internet connectivity bandwidth issue. Zoom's been overwhelmed as of late with a number of users as well. That may be playing in. But at the very least, I wanted to acknowledge it. Know that I'm doing everything possible to minimize said audio issues and we'll continue to work on that moving forward. Nonetheless, enjoy my quite interesting conversation with Aaron Nace from Flurn.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode, and um, I'm privileged to be joined today by Aaron Nace from Flurn. Aaron, thank you for not only hanging out with me to, to chat with our audience, but then also kind of giving me some insight into your your, uh, shall we say, health journey, some of the things that you've learned about <laughs> how to take care of yourself a little bit better, including whiskey, by the way. That was kind of a fun part of the conversation. Yeah, that's a recent development in my in my health and wellness journey. <laughs> 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 We're going to thank that one to quarantine. It's a, it's an unexpected development. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for the time being. Well, you know, we maybe one of these days we'll do a, a whole series and, and get everyone, I say everyone, get a number of uh, industry professionals come in and kind of share their take on, on health and wellness. What, I've, what I love about our conversation regarding that topic here before we started recording is kind of the simple approach that you've taken to managing your health. I've done a similar thing in it, and it seems like many times photographers and, and just, I guess, people can overcomplicate the process, right? We have this particular goal in mind and it's even it's easy to overthink it and even to get overwhelmed as a result. And then instead of actually moving forward step by step, we just kind of shut down. And and I think this is very relevant to our conversation today, which is going to have to do with building a healthy business. It seems like at the root of building a healthy business, many times there are very simple principles that if we actually apply consistently, uh, there's an opportunity to build a a healthy business. And um, so we're going to get your take on that here in just a little bit. But before we go there, just to kind of start off with a few questions, uh, th I've been asking our guests as of late about customer service. And this seems almost like a cliche conversation for business owners, but I think there's always something to be learned. Is there a particular principle that you've found as you run Flurn that has been particularly helpful when it comes to creating a great customer experience? So, yeah, I mean, customer experience is, is kind of everything, right? It's, it's what your website looks like. It's the usability of any apps or tools that you use or produce all the way to, you know, the value of your product. And then, of course, you know, with traditional customer service, we think about is responding to problems that, you know, your customers bring up. And, you know, my goal is to reduce the amount of customer service questions we get by just producing a product that's straightforward you know like an iphone people get how to use it you know it's it, because it's very simple so uh, you know if you had a more complicated user interface on your phone you'd probably you know try to ask more questions about how to use it for instance so um we kind of try to do that from the ground up just make everything as simple as possible you know very well explained and, and just you know trim the fat it's been tempting over the years you know Flurn has been around for almost 10 years now so wow. uh, yeah yeah it's it's been a journey and it's tempting along the way to keep adding features and adding you know requests and bolt on stuff on the website and just do all this stuff but at the end of the day 
focusing on simplicity and just doing what we value and, um, you know, doing a great job at it day in and day out makes things just easier on us and I think easier on our customers. So I would say, you know, when it comes to customer service, just give them the best possible product you can. And generally they're going to be happy. You know, I think back to purchases that I've made and I have a, like a countertop oven made by Breville, for instance, it's like a, I don't know, a couple hundred. I stopped using my big oven after I got it. And you know, I've had it for 10 years and it's just a workhorse. I love that thing. It's just day in and day out. It, it works. No questions asked. And, um, and, and that kind of product is exactly what, what I hope to deliver to my customers as well. It's just, you know, just reliability. You know exactly what you're going to get day in and day out. And uh, I think when people know what they're going to get and they can count on it and, you know, they, they have a, a good solid experience every time they interact with your brand you know you're 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 going on the right step you know it's uh can be tempting to do things you know like rush products out or put something out that you're maybe not 100 percent happy with just because you're trying to reach a timeline or you know things are crunched and all, all types of you know things happen in life and in business but if you can stay consistent and just deliver quality product day in and day out i, I think you're on the right path to making happy customers. Well, and, and you seem to have figured something out. I mean, there, I, I go to your YouTube channel. I've got to pull it up here. And of course, we'll link to it in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. Uh, it is youtube.com slash Flurn, P-H-L-E-A-R-N. You've got almost 2 million subscribers there. So uh, you figured something out. And <laughs> But I, I love, I mean, I love that our conversation really is kind of centered around this idea of simplicity. I mean, you you have launched a brand which focuses on delivering a few things, a few ideas consistently well. And, um, you know, I, I read a book. I was actually, as you were talking, I was pulling up this book that I read a number of years ago called The Paradox of Choice. And it's this fascinating concept where human beings tend to get overwhelmed and ultimately tired if they're giving too many options. We think we want all the options, but at the end of the day, too many options can actually be mentally exhausting and we can potentially get frustrated of course, if we raise the bar too high, if we, if we set this expectation way, way up here, and then we're not able to deliver on it consistently, we put ourselves in a tough spot. Instead, you're focusing, what, what you suggested is, is that we're focusing on a, delivering consistently on a few simple ideas, and that enables us to create this really great customer experience. And I think that's a really great lesson for all of us as photographers. I mean, you go to a lot of photographers' websites, and they seem to be kind of trying to do all the things versus just yeah. one or two things really, really well. And so I think this is a great reminder for us. And we'll link to that particular book in the show notes too, for anybody who's curious, but this is actually a great segue to my next question, which is about brand position. And this is something that's not discussed a lot in the photography industry, but I'm curious what your company's brand position is. There are other companies in the education space in the photography industry. How do you set yourself apart for them? What is your brand position? So since the beginning of Flurn primary importance is get the education out there, let people learn and, you know, make everything available no matter what people can afford. You know, that that's a huge part of our brand. So, um, you know, for those of you guys who haven't watched our YouTube channel, we give away free videos on YouTube every single week. And we have been doing so for uh, about 10 years now. Mm. And that's a, core principle of our business you know i 
in, in starting the company, I didn't want to exclude anyone because they might not have the budget to, to pay for, you know, uh, higher end education, you know, things like going to university and although, you know, universities can provide a lot of great experiences. I fully believe that you don't need a university education to become, let's say a professional photographer. I, I, I do have a university education, but it's not in photography in a you know it's an industrial design which is it's a visual art so it's you know similar but I learned I literally picked up my first camera after I graduated from university and then went around and built a photography business uh, around my passion so uh, you know the idea that you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get a high quality education in my opinion just isn't true for a lot of creative uh professionals you know it's uh i i again i run a small company i I don't speak for the world here but i've never asked for a diploma i've never asked for a gpa average you know of anyone who i'm employing or work with working with you know core principles here you know do you have a good attitude do you have a can-do attitude are you a hard worker can you work with our team and get the job done you know, these things are a lot more important to me than university education. In fact, some of our best employees are, were trained on the job. I mean, all of our employees are fantastic. But what I mean to say is some of the people who are in roles where they're succeeding currently, they, they weren't traditionally trained in those roles. They were brought in because of their, you know, core principles of who they are as people. And we were able to fit in their strengths and build build roles for them to allow them to succeed in the company. So um, I'm just a big fan of, you know, working with people in general and, uh, you know, giving, giving everyone a chance based on, uh, again, a huge part of it is how, how, you know, your willingness to work hard and do a good job. And I think that, you know, those principles allow for success no matter what you're doing in life. And, uh, education helps along the way. So since the beginning, we've been giving away education for free uh, so that people all around the world can watch these videos and then rise up from whatever level they're at, you know, whether they're, you know, just currently in a, in a job that they're maybe not super happy with and they want to, you know, transition into a career, maybe in the creative arts. I want to be there for these people. And I, I don't want a, the price of education to get in the way of, of their success. So that, that's a big part of our brand. And, uh, you know, you, you've probably seen it since day one, we, we just give away a ton of education and it's, you know, it's been really wonderful as well because so many people have reciprocated and, you know, come back and then, you know, made what we have a subscription service on our website. Now Mm -hmm. we used to sell, products a la carte but right now it's a you subscribe and you get access to everything so we've been super fortunate you know like it's it's really worked out and i truly believe that the more you give the more you get back and you know it's i i couldn't imagine doing business any other way i i'm i'm super happy with how everything's worked out that's yeah i've personally experienced that very concept just focused on adding value as much as possible and the rest seems to kind of work itself out. You can't be, you have to be intelligent about it. You have to be strategic about it, at least to a point, but focus on giving, adding value. And that, that does come back in a really wonderful way. When, as you were talking about what your brain represents, I mean, accessible photographic education, three words really seems to sum that up, 
pretty well. Uh, you want to make it accessible to as many people as possible. The other thing, though, it says on the YouTube page in particular is an, three words again, learning made fun. What is that alluding to? Uh, well, kind of like the whole uh, ethos of our brand is make things super accessible. So, you know, I wanted to education to kind of feel like you're hanging out with a friend of yours who just in this case happens to be really enthusiastic about Photoshop. You know? okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I love is, you know, uh, editing pictures and, and, and creating pictures as well. So, um, you know, I, I want the feel of our education to kind of just be like, you, you don't notice you're learning kind of, it just kind of feels like you're hanging out with someone. And then after a couple hours, you're like, Oh, I'm good at Photoshop. Now I just, i I learned a little bit more than I thought I did. Yeah. And I, I think that approach is always one that's worked for me as a learner. You know, I'm, I'm more, I'm a, like a learn by doing type of person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love it when I can step away from a conversation or a book or a, a series of videos and, and realize that I know more about a subject than I did when I started. Yeah. Even if it wasn't necessarily like, uh, I didn't feel as though I was at school, for instance, while I was learning. You sure. know, it's like, oh, that, that that stuck because I was enjoying, you know, my time watching these videos, for instance. It, it didn't stick because I'm, you know, stressed about it and, and trying to cram and reading books and things like that, which yeah. is, which is, you know, it works too. But sometimes, you know, you, you play the game between short term and long term because i you know, I've crammed for a lot of tests in my life and did all right, but I, I couldn't tell you, you know, the majority of any of those answers now. So, so fun where you're talking about, I mean, ultimately it is kind of under that umbrella umbrella of being accessible, but if, as you're pointing out, you have to force the education, you don't, you don't actually take that information in and, and apply it as effectively. Whereas if you create a fun environment and it is more conversational in nature, makes it easier to consume. If anybody's curious and if you haven't seen these videos at Flurn, again, make sure you just go to youtube.com slash Flurn and we'll link to that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Make sure you take advantage of those show notes from today's conversation too. To keep the conversation going though, Aaron, um, time is something we talk about a lot on the podcast. In fact, our goal here is to help photographers build sustainable businesses. Part of building a sustainable business is making sure you're not actually working all the time. You actually have a life. You have space for not only yourself, but the important people in your life. Is there a particular principle that you have found effective in creating some of that space for yourself? Yeah, you know, I in the early days, it was I not a strength of mine. You know, I spent basically all my time uh, for, for years just working and... I, I totally got burned out. You know, it was, it was, it was something that I thought I had to do. And it, it made me feel better about my life when I was working. It, it made me felt like, feel like I was doing something mm. to, to, to move forward. You know, it would also, it, you know, when you work all the time, you kind of remove any time to second guess or <laughs> start thinking about some of the bigger questions in your life. You know, it, it can be, I, I think for me, it, it, was a little bit of a control thing, you know. I, I think when you when I tend to feel out of control in my life, I focus all my energy on something and try to control the crap out of it. And then <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, good, now I have control in my life. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, problems are solved. Um, yep. You know, and that's been many things over the years. But uh, in in the early days, yeah, it was it was work. So I I, I worked you know, kind of nonstop for a few years and I got a lot done, but 
you know, there's definitely a point of dim diminishing return. Mm. You know, there are only so many hours in a day that a person can be actually productive working on something. And I found that the more I allowed myself to take a little bit of a break and be and be happy with that break time that I would come back to my work the next day refreshed and renewed and problems that I had kind of been banging my head against just seemed to the answers seemed to just appear a little bit easier mm. when I felt refreshed and when honestly when I just wasn't as stressed out about it you know it's like the whole thing where if you're if you forget something and you try to remember it you know you're like trying with all your might to remember something you're never going to remember it but then you just like say okay i don't remember it for right now and then it pops in your head two minutes later you know yeah. kind of the same thing with you know like stress and, and creativity and, and and work in general so i switched gears a few years ago to a way different style of of working these days i really really value my my personal time my time with family and friends and and I, I love work, but it's uh, my whole goal is to spend as little time working as possible and just get as much done during that time that I can and then just move on and, and enjoy, you know, other parts of uh, other parts of my life. So we're getting out of winter here in Chicago. And for anyone who's lived uh, up north or in the Midwest, you'll know days are short in the winter. You know, we're talking dark at 430 in the afternoon. Yeah. So one thing that we did this past winter, we have a uh, we have a, a studio like an office where employees come to work. We actually shortened our workday by a couple hours, so people could go home before it got dark. So that meant, you know, Ed, before this whole quarantine thing, uh, we work in a ten to four thirty schedule. So okay. come in at ten and 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 leave at four thirty to to give yourself, you know, the opportunity to whatever go to the grocery store and hang out and do some things uh, before it got super dark. So, you know, that's those types of adjustments, you know, especially during winter, winter time and things like that, like having winter hours, having summer hours and, you know, just kind of realizing you, you get a couple of those shifts going on. And for us, for instance, we cut two hours out of our work day, you know, that's a pretty significant cut. And we didn't notice a drop in our creativity or our output at all yeah everyone i mean we were literally just doing the exact same thing we had been d doing before and everyone got two hours of the life of their life back yep uh and for me that's super important you know not just for me as a business owner because you know when push comes to shove i'm gonna put every single hour i have into making something work if the business is hurting or we're going through really tough times, I got no problem with rolling up my sleeves and working my butt off. But my employees, you know, that's a different story altogether. I want them to enjoy their life. You know, like they don't, they don't own the company. They don't have right. any stakes in the company's success or failure besides, you know, like I, I want obviously to provide them with financial security and a really nice work environment and, you know, job fulfillment and all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to ask them for long hours going above and beyond. I mean, they're in salary positions, but I, I in no way see that as a, you know, an excuse or a, uh, a way to just push people, you know, to work 50, 60 plus hours a week. I, I, I really, 
I don't want to do that to anyone. So <laughs> how kind of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we just, uh, you know, we, we, we go to work, we have a great time. We, we do a good job and uh, we, we produce the best possible products we possibly we can. And, uh, you know, I found that there's plenty of time for, for off time for both me and everyone I work with. And, uh, I, I really value that for my own personal life. And I, I want to provide that for anyone I work with as well. But the, the point that you make about shortening hours and kind of uh, forcing, maybe sounds like a too dramatic a word, but forcing more to get done in less time, it didn't hurt producti productivity, it didn't hurt creativity, and it gave everybody more time at the end of the day, which, I mean, that that's such a massive realization that we don't actually have to put, you know, a lot of photographers will talk about how they're, quote, busy, and they spend 50, 60, 70 hours in a week getting what could probably be done in 20 hours a week if, if they actually were intentional about it. I think it's a really good reminder for all of us to be a little bit more intentional at the very least so that we don't get burnt out at the end. Because yeah, there's going to be times when we put extra hours in, no question. I mean, I've certainly experienced that. But if we do that on an ongoing basis, the creativity goes out the door, the energy goes out the door, and then we're going to be asking ourselves questions like, you know, why are we even doing this? And there's really no reason to get to that place if, if we're intentional about the way that we're managing our time. So that's a really great reminder. And, and speaking of managing time, and you were alluding to your team as well, you obviously take advantage of this concept of delegation or outsourcing, uh, in this case, delegation to an, an in-house team. Was that a big learning curve for you to go from this is your idea to now delegating to an in-house team and working together to create what Flurn has become? Yeah, yeah. And that really is a big learning curve. I, I think for creatives in general, and I'll just speak for myself here, I tend to be a little bit of like a control freak. Like I just, I want everything done in a certain way. And, you know, I've realized over the years that you have to give some of that up in running a business if you want to scale beyond be yourself. It, it's just a, it, it's a, it's a question of sanity really for, I mean, not just me, but everyone I work with, you know, like if you want everything done exactly the way that you want everything done, you have to do it yourself. You really do. The moment you start delegating, things are gonna get done slightly different than you might do them. And being okay with that can be a little bit tough. You know, I'm not saying you have to completely go hands off and, you know, not look at what anything is being done, but for me learning to trust the people that I work with and learning to see that there's a little bit more of a big picture in mind. So for instance, we have an education company, you know, the way that I can be the best company for our customers is to give them consistent quality education as frequently as possible and reach as many people as we possibly can. And there's there's no way I can do that alone. There's just too much work. There's way, way too much work uh, that needs to be done for one person. So giving control to other people is the only thing that lets me achieve my goal, you know? And with, you know, with delegation and with giving other people tasks, yeah, you lose a little bit of, you know, you, you can't just replicate your own mind. Everyone's going to have their own way of doing things. But also learning to not get frustrated by that is is really, 
really a big key. It was for me anyway. I, I think everyone's got their own things they work with. But, you know, being okay with the fact that not everything is going to be done exactly the way that you would do it. And also seeing that a lot of the time, the way that I would do something is actually not nearly as good as the way that someone else is doing it. You know, so being open to the fact that, you know, someone else might actually have a better idea than you for <laughs> good mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it happens all the time. And, you know, I'm, you know, I can be a little bit stubborn, but, you know, we'll go into meetings all the time and I'll have an idea for something that I want to do. And one of the people I work with kind of points out some holes in it. And then we, you know, have a conversation and suggest alternatives. And what we wind up with as a team is something that was way stronger than I was able to come up with on my own. So although, you know, technically I'm the business owner, that it doesn't at all mean that I'm more qualified to make mm. good decisions than, than a team of people. As long as everyone's working together and understands where you're going as a company, what you can get done as a team is just, it's just far greater than what you could get done as a person. And if that means giving up a little bit of control along the way, it's worth it. It's just so worth it. It's a, you know, it, it's not even a question anymore because honestly, I, I couldn't have done a fraction of, of what we were able to accomplish as a team. And, and I rely on my team. I, I put a lot of weight on them. You know, they're, I, I trust them. And if I were to lose any member of my team, you know, I, I, I feel it pretty considerably. So, you know, there are times, for instance, when I, I go out of town for a couple of weeks or, you know, I need a vacation. I'm, I'm you know, like a regular, I can't, I can't do this every week, every year for years and years straight. So I go out of, on vacation and I like to be out of touch when I'm on, on vacation. I mean, if it's a serious, serious thing, sure, call me. But like, you know, I take my vacations very seriously. <laughs> you know, I, I really like to get away and have a good time. You know, while I'm gone, they run the company up and down, you know, they're 100%. They run the company. That's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to be able to step away from your own company and not think about it for weeks and come back and things are moving as smoothly as they ever have. It's a great feeling. Yeah. But the point that you made just a few minutes ago about the company as a whole, the team knowing the direction that you're wanting to, to go, uh, that is, I think, one of the biggest takeaways here in our conversation regarding this idea of delegation. Because if a photographer is to dele delegate anything, whether it's editing or album design or accounting work or admin work or anything, they have to be clear about what they're trying to accomplish in order to then communicate that to the people or the, the person involved. If not, there's going to be way, way, way more frustration. It's true that we have to learn to set our ego aside and, and like can be relegate our, these efforts to somebody else understanding that it may not be a hundred percent the way that we do it. That's super important as well. But if we're not clear about what it is we're trying to accomplish to begin with, there's going to be this frustrating back and forth and it'll make everybody's lives kind of miserable. So we have to be clear about the direction we're trying to go, what we're trying to actually accomplish. And if, if for those of you listening in, if you don't take away anything from that, that would be the one thing to kind of latch on to. Uh, would be that very idea that you have to be clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish. I and mean, we've seen this certainly at Photographer's Edit. In the process of outsourcing editing, a lot of photographers kind of assume that we can read their mind subconsciously, right? They don't, they're not intentionally saying that or thinking that, but 
there is a lack of communication, but as sole proprietors, and I've experienced this even working with my team, I'm still working on this notion of delegation, being clear about what it is that I want before I even make a request, because I've made the mistake of just kind of assuming that they can do the thing without actually taking the time to work the idea out myself before communicate it to them. So, so, so important. And, and this is a really big lesson, great reminder for everybody. All right. So another question for you, Aaron, um, inspiration. I mean, this is almost like a kind of a cliche word that we maybe hear a bit too much these days in our industry, but the reality is we all look for it in some form or fashion outside of the photography industry. Do you find inspiration that, that makes a difference in the creative work that you do, the business work that you do? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, personally, I actually look for inspiration everywhere, but my own industry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I find that you know, whenever, let's say uh, photography, for instance, if I'm just looking at other photographers' work day in and day out, it's very hard for me to not compare myself to them. And then I start feeling like crap, yeah. you know, even if it's like, whatever, like, okay, yeah, I look at some photographers' work and I'm like, they are really, really good. Why am I not that good? And then I, la, la, la. But even if it's stuff where I'm like, oh, I could have done that, but I just like didn't do it because I was sitting at home instead of doing that. Or, you know, if I look at a picture of a forest with the lighting is super cool, I'm like, dang, I don't have any cool forest pictures. It's just like, I don't spend that much time in forests. Of course I don't, you know? Yeah. But (laughs) my mind always goes to the place of like comparing myself to this other person. And then you know, that's not inspiration. For me, it just usually winds up to a lot of negative self-talk, which is the opposite of inspiration. And I, I don't know if I'm the only one who, who tends to do this. So what I, when I'm looking for inspiration, I look for everything outside of my professional field. Um, instead of looking at a picture of a forest for inspiration, I'll go spend time in nature. And I find that that inspires me probably more than just about anything else. And then when I feel inspired as a person, I create inspired work. You know, I do things from a point of inspiration. But, you know, inspiration, I I don't think it it needs to come from anywhere specifically. And I think that, you know, it's a great thing to try to change where your inspiration comes from all the time. You know, if, if you're staring at the greatest painting in the world, you know, whatever, let's say you're at a fancy art museum looking at a Picasso, you know, maybe day one, you're super inspired by that Picasso. But, you know, you come back and look at that same painting every day for a few months, you might not be inspired by it anymore, because it's kind of become normal to you. You might walk down the street and see a interesting light coming from a street alley, and that might inspire you. So I think just you know, having varied source of inspiration in your life in general, and just kind of doing your best to enjoy each moment of your life as it comes. And then the inspiration just kind of happens. I, I feel like all the work that I've ever made that has felt inspired just came from a time in my life when I felt inspired in general. I didn't have anything to do with with the work itself. And And I would say that that's true for business. If I'm not feeling really well and maybe i'm just kind of like in a depressed state and not feeling productive and like i don't want to do anything you know my business is going to feel that or if i feel like i'm on top of the world and i want to go do all kinds of fun things and meet people and like go on adventures and create all these cool things my business is going to reflect that as well so um for me i just try to 
live my life in a way that allows me to get inspired when whenever it happens. It, it's not something I've ever been able to force. It's just, you know, I've got a, a few things I'm like, okay, I, I try to stay mentally and physically fit as much as I possibly can mm. and clear out the cobwebs because I, you know, I, I tend to think about the past and the future a lot, which leads to depression and anxiety. And the more I clear out all those cobwebs, the more I'm able to focus in on the present, which it's nice, it's hard to do. Um, but, <laughs> you know, whenever, whenever I'm not either suffering from, you know, looking too far to the forward in the future, or looking too far to the past, inspiration just kind of tends to come in, in, in life in general. It's like the whole thing where like, you know, people get great ideas when they're in the shower, yep. you know, because they're not stressed about it. They're not thinking about anything. They're just like, I'm taking a shower. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, you got a great idea. You know, that's that's inspiration right there. So the inspiration happened because you were just like chilling the F out in the yep. shower. You know, <laughs> it didn't come from you like staring at, you know, portfolio books of other photographers like, why am I not as good as they are? What What are they doing that I could be doing? You know, that's not inspiration. That's that that's a different thing altogether. And I'm I'm guilty of it. You know, I it's it's a fine line because, you know, oftentimes when we're like, I have to be inspired, it's kind of like that that attitude of like, okay, now I need to go get inspired. It's like, all right, that's you're starting off a little bit on the wrong foot there, you know, if it's for me anyway. I don't want to Well, because you're right. you're forcing it, right? You're forcing it, yeah. yeah. I, and and again, everyone's different. You know, I'm sure a lot of people can just be like boom, this is what I do to get inspired. I'm going to go do it and I'm going to get inspired and I'm going to get back to work. But, you know, for me, it's always just been like, how can I just enjoy life? And then the inspiration for me is just always kind of been a byproduct of that. Well, you spoke to the significance of doing. And I think a lot of times we're, we've been guilty as photographers of not doing. I mean, a lot of us tend to be emotional types, right? So we just kind of sit and think and analyze and wait to feel something before we do it. And I think the flip side of that, really the healthier way to go is to do, to live an interesting life. In fact, one of the things that I've worked in and still working on uh, being better at is conversation. And this podcast has been a great opportunity to learn how to be a better conversationalist, but it's also relatively easy in some ways because it's very focused on photography. I can plan the conversation out ahead of time. But one of the things that I realized that would help make me a better conversationalist, a more interesting conversationalist in person, is to live an interesting life. I'll actually have something to talk about. And living an interesting life isn't doing the same thing all the time. It's doing a variety of things, exploring a, a you know, variety of fields or topics, reading a variety of books, consuming a variety of content and video or, or other formats. And, and I've been around people who didn't function that way, that kind of function with blinders on all the time. And they couldn't really function even in a, in a conversation very well because they didn't really know much outside of this one particular specialty. In that specialty, they were awesome. They were mind-blowing. They were you know, above the rest. But you got outside of that and they, they, kind of, they were disabled almost. So I think it's important, to your point, to live, to do an interesting life. And from that will come inspiration naturally when we're not trying to force it. I think that's a great reminder. Yeah. And I would also add to that by, you know, living an interesting life, like, you know, that can be whatever. I mean, that, that yep. can be, you know, you could be really interested in, you know, 
18th century dog fashion, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like it, it really doesn't, you know, like that's, that's going to be up to you as a person, you know, I, I think a lot of day times with, you know, Instagram, we look about like, what's an interesting life. It's like, Oh, a constant traveling where you're standing on the edge of a cliff at sunset every single night and eating, you know, crazy foods and flying on private airplanes. It's like, that's one variety of an interesting life. But right. I mean, there's, there's no limit to, you know, what you can be interested in as a person and, and there's no right or wrong there too. So, and on that note, I'm, I actually kind of am interested in 18th century dog fashion. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's a thing. I have a dog and we we put clothes on him every now and then. I don't think he likes it very much, but <laughs> Well, if it doesn't would, if the fashion doesn't exist, maybe there's an opportunity to create that. Like to imagine what that might be. I mean, there's so many different directions as you pointed out that you could go in this. It, it's the sky's the limit. We just have to be kind of keep an open mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that sounds like a fun project. Talk to me about, um, I mean, we talked about inspiration. What about education? Is, is there a particular impactful self-help or business book that you've had the opportunity to read in the last few years that you would recommend? You know, I, I would say as far as business is concerned, there's a book called Rework yes. by Jason Jason Fried. Awesome. Uh, he's the founder of 37 Signals. They make a product called uh, Basecamp. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jason Fried and then his business partner, David um, it's uh, Heinemer Hansen. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but in the book rework, they, you know, they talk about basically principles and rules, you know, things that have and have not worked for them as a business. Uh, you know, for those of you who are, you know, curious, the the company that they run, Thirty Seven Signals, is it's uh, it's just done very well. It's a completely remote company. Uh, they do have a base here in Chicago. They run productivity software so it you know if you're trying to collaborate with a team of people on product projects their main product called Basecamp allows you to do that and it's the product itself is wildly wildly successful and so is the the their business and they just have a very straightforward uh, clear way of running their business and that follows through in this book uh, instead of being you know, heavy and bogged down. It's just kind of really stripped out. And each page just has a, a few sentences on it, but everything kind of hits home. And I found it to just be like almost like a little playbook on what's worked for them as business owners. Uh, it's an extremely easy read. And I, I got a lot of takeaways about it, you know, being focused and having principles as, as a business owner, um, as an individual and just, you know, as as a point to give the company and your employees directions, you know, it's really hard to get to a destination if you don't know where that destination is. So, you know, making, making the roadmap as clear as possible for everyone involved and then taking the necessary steps to get there. Nathan, you said, have you read the book as well? I have. It's, it's really, really wonderful. And, and to your point, it's so easy to consume. It is like bite-sized chunks that you can just take in a little bit at a time, but they're so actionable, so practical. Yeah, and even that part of it is a reflection of how they run the business. Yeah. You know, it's it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, make it as easy for your consumers or for anyone involved as possible. You know, if you want to write a book that has, you know, all kinds of words, everyone's got to look up in the dictionary every five minutes and things like that. I mean, that's one way to, to write a book, but 
you know, in my opinion, if you can get your point across using language that everyone understands in as, you know, simple as a format as possible, let everyone, you know, get the message as quickly as possible as well, you know, I, I feel like you're doing people an actual service there. And that's what I found I enjoyed out of that book. You know, you can read it in a, a sitting, you know, an hour. You could brush right through it. And it's the type of book that you can pick up uh, just about any time and, you know, focus in on a principle or two and, and then apply that directly to either your life or your business. So I would definitely recommend that uh, book to any Highly. business owner. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Here's just an example, too, of simple ideas communicated so powerfully a quote from that book he says working more doesn't mean you care more or get more done it just means you work more um and you know if you sit for a second and, and think about those two simple sentences and actually apply their significance to your business the way that you're running your business it can make a massive difference we've spoken to, to this principle these principles earlier in our conversation but yeah really good stuff we'll put that in the show notes again bocapodcast.com for those of you listening in if you aren't taking advantage of the show notes, you're missing out a bit because we do link to all the resources from the conversations, the talking points, and Haley's done a really great job of putting those together. So bocapodcast.com, or you can look at the show notes in your podcast app as well. All right. So just to kind of transition the conversation a bit, most people know you as the guy who runs Flurn and you know, you're focused on teaching photography, editing techniques, but what most probably don't think about as they're watching this content is that there's a business behind this, this massive machine that is Flurn. Have you always been a natural business person or is this something that you've kind of learned as you've gone along? It's definitely been something I've learned as I've gone along. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I didn't start this whole thing as a business necessarily. It was more of just a, a hobby. I was interested in photography and I really love Photoshop and, I, I I realized kind of early on that I I don't think that I'm that great of an employee. I, I can be, but I can also <laughs> not be that great. Okay. Uh, you know, it's uh. I, so I was working. I was working at a job, and you know, I I graduated from university, and you know, an industrial designer by trade, and you know, I, I had a pretty good job and everything like that. But I I just found myself like always thinking about my photography and, and my, you know, projects and things like that outside of work. And even while I was working, I just found myself daydreaming all the time. And, you know, I realized after a while, I was like, man, I'm just not being as good to my company as I possibly could be because I'm just thinking about my photography all the time. And I just felt like I wasn't doing a service. Like I wasn't doing the right thing. You know, if my head is in one place all the time, I, I need to make that the focus of my life. And, um, you know, so, so I, I quit my job, you know, had a little bit of money saved up. And my goal was like, hey, if I can make enough money to pay my bills in like six months, cool. This is, you know, now I get to do what I love. And if I don't, I, I can just go get another job. It's, it's totally okay. So this was, at, at that point, it was just like a, a, me trying to pay my bills in the photography world, because that's what I loved. And, you know, after six months, I was able to do it and, you know, just kind of kept going and kept going. It's, it's been 10 years now. So um, 
all of the whole like building a business and things like that, that's just been on the job training, you know, just getting in there and, and making mistakes and learning from it and, 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 you know, basically just like trying, trying my best, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's really no other way to do it. Yeah. You know, like reading about other people's successes and failures can be super helpful, but oftentimes you're not going to be in the same position that they were in. Right. And so, you know, just getting in the habit of finding success in your failures and learning from things and picking yourself up and continuing to move forward, even when things are really, really tough, you know, those are the principles that have helped guide our business forward and, you know, have helped us stand the test of time because there have been many, <laughs> many tough times, you know, very, very hard, hard things. You know, I, I've had to endure uh, quite a bit of emotional and, and, and mental trauma from running a business. But, you know, just the same as any other large project you take on in life. I'm, I'm sure any parents out there know that, you know, there's, there's a lot that comes with raising uh, a child, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. You know, you become a better person because of those experiences. That doesn't make it easy, but oftentimes it's those difficult experiences that actually push you forward as a person. So, you know, for those interested in, in starting a business, I'd, I'd say just go for it, you know, because even if your first business, you know, like I, I kind of got lucky in that my first business is still running, you know, we're, we're still maintaining, um, you know, a strong, strong business. But along the way, I've also started other businesses that actually haven't done as well. And, and some are doing well and, you know, other things like that. But um, I guess my point is that, you know, it's all about a learning experience. So even if you start something and it's not as successful as you thought, like maybe change it up a little bit and then try reworking it and then, you know, give it a second shot or give it a, give it a new life. It's all about just persistence and, and trying to make the best happen. And I'm, I'm so, ex you know, thankful for this experience that I've had, you know, building, building this business. And, you know, I, I know that everything that I've learned along the way is going to help me navigate the rest of my life. But the key is, as you pointed out, being willing to learn. Right. Because, if, again, we let our, our egos get in the way and let that emotion get the best of us. We could screw up maybe two, three, four times and and just be like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not I'm not going to even bother with it. I can't deal with the emotional pain. A lot of that. So that, that emotional pain that we end up dealing with is our ego. Right. Like we're just making such a big deal of it versus learning from the situation, not minimizing the significance of the emotional toll it may take on us, because I've certainly experienced the same thing. But not placing so much importance on that, then we then can't move past it and learn from the experience and apply what we've learned. You also talked about keeping an open mind to what's going on in the business and looking for opportunity to change. So we may not have, quote unquote, failed in a particular area per se, but we need to keep an open mind and, and, and develop a certain amount of awareness that enables us to be able to continue to improve on what we're doing. We see how people are responding to the product or to the service. We look at what's going on in the market and we continue to adjust and to iterate. And that will enable us, as long as we're focused on that, that idea that you pointed out earlier, adding value. If we're adding plenty of value and we maintain a certain amount of flexibility and an open mind, continue to learn from our mistakes, 
then there's an opportunity to build a successful business. But we have to be open to the idea that it's not going to be perfect all along the way. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I would say that today, you know, there's, there's so many things that I, you know, if I wanted everything to be quote unquote perfect, I, I don't think I'll ever reach there. You know, we, we've got a, we've got a great successful company uh, right now, but are there 10,000 things that I would change? Most definitely. And there, there always will be, you know, there, right. there are always places that can improve just, just like any other area of life. And, you know, I think just having the spirit of like, let's show up and let's do the work and let's, let's put our best in there and, and, and do the best we possibly can realize our strengths and our failures and uh, play to our strengths and help other people, um, you know, make up for weaknesses and things like that. Uh, you know, those are the things that we can do day in and day out. And then a lot of times just showing up and doing the work, <laughs> you know, like yep. if you want to, if you want to dig a big ditch, and all you got is you and a shovel, you know, you just got to show up and dig that ditch day in and day out. And eventually you'll get it done. But, um, you know, sometimes digging the ditch isn't always fun. And you start to daydream about, well, what if there was this other way to dig a ditch? Or what if, you know, I brought in all these bunch of people to help me, but then I'd have to figure out how to pay them, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> sometimes you just got to pick up the shovel and start digging. It's such a great point. And this has been a massive lesson for me personally. Again, I tend have tended to be quite an emotional individual over the years. I've, I've learned how to kind of level that out, uh, flatten the curve, if you will, a bit in the last year or two in particular. But um, it's we, we can't always expect to feel good, quote unquote, or feel a particular way in order to then get the work done. Sometimes you just have to show up. And I think in our first world society and our culture, we've gotten, I mean, things have been so easy for so long that it's easy for us to sit around and analyze how we feel about a particular thing before we do it versus just doing it and then experiencing the great feeling of, of having accomplished something after the fact, or even just feeling the great feeling of having been consistent in, in showing up after the fact we're looking to feel good and and i think that's just a ultimately our business is going to suffer if we're looking for that every single turn of the way it, we just can't function that way so that's a really great reminder but i mean you, you've talked about these this idea of mistakes what's what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes that you've made as a business owner along the way <laughs> that you think that our listeners could maybe learn from I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. It's just so, you know, <laughs> just, you know, but I, I think, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I, I continue to make uh, to this day is um, failing to properly plan things out. You know, I, I'm also tend to be guided by emotion. And I think that that's actually a really great thing, you know, but I think a, emotion paired with logic and a plan yeah. can, can give you a little bit of structure. And I, Every time that I tend to feel one way or another, um, if I don't, if I don't have a solid foundation or a solid, I call it a logical core, like a you know basically like a, a, a plan, I have a tendency personally to try to change directions a lot because I get <laughs> yeah. excited about new things yeah. and I get carried away and I'm like, okay, everyone here's the direction that we're going to do. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, okay, brand new direction. We're going to do this. And that is oftentimes guided just by my emotions, like what I'm in my mood, you know, what I'm feeling at the time or what I'm excited about. And there's a lot of value in that, but also sticking with like a logical core and a plan, especially when you have other people, because 
if it's just yourself, you can change directions a million times and really it's not that big of a deal. But if you're working with a large team of people, it's extremely difficult to change directions constantly of an mm. entire team of people, especially you know when you're all working towards one unified vision. If you go change that direction too much too dramatically, it, it it's going to really throw things off. It's going to you know it's going to have people are going to start doubting the validity of the original direction and they're going to wonder why a new direction is you know changed and even if they're all on board with the new direction you're going to lose a lot of time and energy to just switching directions you know if you're if you're on a highway and you're trying to make good time you've got your destination put in your gps and then you drive past a theme park and decide, Oh, never mind. I'm going to spend the day at the theme park. <laughs> you know, that might be, that might be a lot of fun, but what if there was someone in the car that really needed to get to that destination? Now they're going to be, you know, four or five, six hours late because we had this big detour. Yeah. Um, and then they might not be super excited about it. So for me, changing direction or wanting to change direction, especially when things are tough, I think that there's a really, um, it's really tempting to just be like, okay, nothing's working. We got to totally change direction. When oftentimes in my experience, when things are tough, you just got to keep doing more of what you're already doing. And you just got to keep refining and getting more efficient and getting better at what you're currently doing instead of looking for this new magic bullet that's going to come in and save the day. <laughs> so, you know, that's, it's, it's just a play between, for me, my emotional self and my and my logical self, and yeah. so I have you know some core principles and, hmm. and and kind of some rules for myself. You know, like if I if I get excited about something and it's an emotional decision decision that I want to make, it has to pass through my logical uh, set of set of guidelines before it actually you know before it makes it to the chopping block before it you know, before it's actually to be considered. And that is a, you know, goes through a set of principles, my own personal principles and my business principles. And um, these are things that, you know, I'll be developing for the rest of my life. But, yes. you know, having a core set of principles allows you to judge ideas off of those principles. And ideally those principles don't change. You know, a, a principle is something that you believe into your core and is a part of you or a part of a business and the different ways of expressing those principles are, are, are good. Uh, maintaining those principles is very important because it gives you a clear roadmap in your future. So that, that's something that took me a long time to learn. And I'm honestly still learning it every day. Well, I, and I just have to put this in here that I 110% empathize with you. I, I'll get excited about, I mean, if, if I happen to have too much caffeine one morning, I'm uber excited about a particular <laughs> idea and, and it would be very easy for me to play on that emotion in the moment and try to act on it. The reality is that's probably not the most intelligent thing. I love that you point out the significance of principles or values that you can run, you know, whatever this idea that popped up, you can run that idea through like kind of like a filter and decide, okay, does this actually make sense or not? Because you're right. If we go this way and that way, and it, it becomes confusing for us, for our team, for customers on the other side of the brand. Uh, it's really not going to to help us strengthen our business. But this is a really great segue to my next question, which would be, 
what are the biggest principles, the underlying principles that have enabled you to build the brand that you have in Flurn? Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my first principle is, you know, treat everyone equally. Everyone should have the opportunity uh, to, to grow and everyone, you know, I, I do my best to see everyone as a reflection of myself, you know, like it, it, it's difficult to do at times, but, you know, I basically, I want everyone in the world to be, to be treated the same from, you know, from in, in every respect of the word. That's, that's one of my personal core principles. And, you know, that extends to all of the people I work with, you know, uh, it extends to all of my customers. It extends to, you know, every business that I interact with, it extends, you know, from, from basically from the top down that principle for, you know, as a, for instance of how it informs our business, you know, giving away tutorials for free on YouTube, you know, it's a big part of our business. And that stems from my core principle of wanting to wanting to do good and seeing, you know, doing my best to treat everyone equally. And, you know, that means that, you know, no matter what your socioeconomic background, you know, I want to make it a point for my business to be able to provide you education that can help you out in life and, you know, level the playing field a little bit. So, you know, those type of principles, you know, that, that can stay and that can help you guide any decision that you make as a, as a business owner or just as a person in general, you know, does this, is this going to marginalize uh, anyone? Am I, am I treating this relationship or, you know, this product the way that I need to, in order to align with my principles? It means a lot of things. It means foregoing some things It in a lot of ways, it means making less money as a business owner, but doing more of what you consider the right thing. Hmm. And at the end of the day, that that's what we got in this world. You know, like you don't you don't take your money with you. But, you know, I, I fully believe in karma and I'm I've been given a lot of wonderful gifts and I feel like it's my responsibility to share those in turn. So it can be super tempting to do things like outsource labor and pay the minimum price necessary and, you know, maximize profits, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. There are many different ways you can do that sort of thing. And on the other side of the coin, there's just, you know, pay people really well and give everyone fantastic benefits and, you know, give everyone you work with like the same advantages that you would want yourself. And at the end of the day, again, just financially, you're, you're going to be leaving not making as much money. You're going to be spending more of your money on making sure that other people are treated well. But, you know, at the end of the day, if that's part of your core principles as an individual and as a business, then that's a no brainer. You know, it's like, yeah, of course we, we do this first and then, you know, whatever's money is left over that that's great. I, I think we, it's kind of tough. There are a lot of corporations out there that don't really function that way, you know, profit is the bottom line, right? You know, doesn't really matter how you get that profit. Uh, and not only in my opinion, is that extremely short sighted of a short sighted as a business to operate in that way? It's just not the right way to treat people, uh, according to my personal principles. Yeah. So, you know, having these principles clearly, well, clearly defined for yourself, uh, allows you to make decisions 
a little bit easier in my opinion. And, um, you know, everyone has their own set of principles. I, I don't want, I, I don't think anyone has to adopt my principles. And honestly, I'm continuing to understand and learn about myself and, you know, put my principles into uh, more of a concrete form, which is, you know, a lifelong endeavor. But having core principles just allows you to, it, it allows you a cornerstone in which you can make decisions uh, for your personal life, uh, as well as any business that you operate. Yeah, it's it's really true. It, it, and it does, I've found, I think you and I are quite similar in some ways, Aaron. I, I've found that this is very helpful for me too, because I am an emotional person. Uh, I actually, I actually have my core values on my, my phone's home screen. And there are eight principles, there are values there that I like to go back to, even if I take, you know, 60 seconds in at the beginning of a day, just to say them out loud, um, or, you know, think about them individually, internally, just to remind myself of what I need to be striving for. It's not about living them perfectly as much as just continuing to strive for them and, and to ultimately live them out consistently. And it really can as, act as a filter because there have been times as a business owner too, I'm highly sensitive to, to doing things ethically. And man, I, I beat myself up internally at times just to uh, like a, a crazy extent. Um, if I don't feel like if I feel like I'm falling short in, in some form or fashion in that way. And ultimately that's a reflection of who I want to be as an individual and a reflection of my values. And it's nice to, to kind of bring myself back around, take a deep breath and, and make sure that I am living uh, my values consistently. That, that helps me uh, to a, a great deal or a great extent. And um, I think this is a really great reminder for our listeners. I mean, you've mentioned the significance of treating everyone equally or making sure to give to everyone, giving them an equal opportunity. Is there a particular experience that you had personally that's led to this becoming such a big deal in your life? You know, I've just, uh, I've been super fortunate. I've been able to travel a decent bit and I, I've seen, I think I'm hopefully quite aware of how privileged that I am and have been for my entire life, just basically from luck. You know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, have anything to do with a, a, a lot of the reasons why I am incredibly privileged. And, you know, when faced with just such obvious circumstances, I, I think it, you know, for me, I, I feel the responsibility to, to do right with uh, what I've been given. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, it's no, a no. lot of dumb luck. But, you know, it's, it, if I have more resources than someone else, because I was just given those resources yeah, yeah. for various reasons, you know, like what am I going to do with those resources? You know, it, I feel it's my responsibility to turn around and be generous with them as much as I possibly can. Mm. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I would say my first real eye opening experience, I went to South America with my dad when I was like 13 or 14 mm, yeah. and got a real idea of how a lot of people live and it, it helped me to understand what a life of privilege I have, I, I, I had been given. And, um, so I, I was real thankful for that trip and I, I've kind of carried that through and, you know, surround myself with, with people who hope, you know, who, who try to do the right thing with what they've been given. That's cool. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, I mean, if we're, if we're starting with the first big principle that's made a difference in your brand, 
treat everyone equally and or give them equal opportunity. I think, uh, I mean, it, it seems like in this day and age with the amount of awareness that has been developed in our culture, this seems to go without saying, but I think it's actually a really great reminder. And I, I love your heart. I love the heart at the root of that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, any other principle or principles that come to mind that have, you feel like have made a big difference in your business? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the only one. <laughs> I had a couple, you know, I mean, there are many different things that have helped sure. uh, business in general, but as far as core principles, I would say, you know, let's, let's stick with that one because I, I think it's a good, um, if you can do that one, it, it kind of takes care of just about everything. It really does. <laughs> what are some of your principles? What are some of your principles you have on your phone? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, these are, I mean, so I, I'm a, a pretty big fan of, of uh, some of the ideas that Tony Robbins has taught. And, and one of the ideas that he taught is the significance of values. And these are the, the, you know, the underlying ideas that bring personally bring us a deep happiness and fulfillment. So for me, there are eight. And the first one is being healthy, just because I know that in order to be effective as an individual, as a business owner, to be able to give to others, I, it has to start with me being healthy. And so that is the first principle that I have listed there. Growth is the next one. I, you know, we, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but the idea of becoming stagnant or easily just kind of blinders on stuck in the place that we're comfortable is limiting on so many different levels. And it not only affects us negatively, but it affects others, their experience of us negatively as well. So growth is really important to me. Simplicity and, and more specifically kind of focusing on that 80-20 principle of the things that, that are most effective, focusing my time and energy on those ideas, principles that are most effective so that I do have more freedom and flexibility in my life. I think that's important too. It's also easily easy to get exhausted as a result of focusing on too many different things. And you talked about that as well earlier. Kindness, again, it seems to go without saying, but I can, I could be very self-centered and, and it's just good to be reminded of, of my desire at the end of the day to be kind. And what is that, you know, whether it's my interaction with my kids, um, or my girlfriend or family members or my, my team or clients, whoever it is, just making sure that I come across, um, as kind, as warm, inviting, uh, that's important to me. Connectedness. I know that I personally benefit greatly from being connected on, uh, in, in a deeper way with people. Whether that's, you know, a group community, uh, whether it's family or group of friends or just individual conversation, um, I find a lot of fulfillment in that and try to add value even in those interactions as well. So that's important to me. Proactive, not getting stuck reacting to to things. And of course, this is a bit much bigger conversation, but even in this situation as we're dealing with right now, for those who might, might be listening in down the road a few months from now or a few years from now, we're going through this coronavirus situation where, you know, our businesses are taking, at least in some instances, pretty big hits. And it would be easy to get fixated on that, kind of react emotionally to the situation and just get stuck or debilitated. Um, I like to, not just in this situation, but in general, be more proactive, look for opportunities and instead of getting stuck on the, the negative in the moment. And then consistency. This is important to me, certainly my values, but my emotional state, as I've alluded to, it's been a weakness of mine kind of being, you know, up and down and trying to be more consistent is important to me. And then lastly, just thankfulness. And, uh, it seems Aaron that, that you're, I mean, this principle of wanting to add value to others, give equal opportunity for everybody to be able to have access to that value is ultimately rooted in thankfulness. And, um, and you're, you're living that. Uh, and I think it's a really great thing. I, I appreciate you being willing to 
share your perspective and your experience and um, ultimately your wisdom as well with our, our listeners today. There's, there's actually, we, we talked about Flurn a number of times. For everybody listening in, if you go to flurn.com, you can see uh, what Flurn is all about. You can also go to the YouTube channel. We'll link to that in the show notes, youtube.com slash Flurn. Uh, there's also an, an opportunity if you want access to this content that Aaron and his team are producing. Uh, we've got a code for 20% off of, of an annual subscription. It's just Boca, B-O-K-E-H 20. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, for everybody listening in, you can get access at a discounted rate to that content. And then, you, I mean, I, even on the Instagram page, Aaron, you guys have over 160,000 followers. Is that is that a... a platform that your team spends a lot of time on? Where do you think outside of YouTube that you're spending the most time? Yeah, probably um, Instagram. We have a, a Facebook group as well. It's uh, the Flurn family. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link you up to that as well. Perfect. That's, uh, we're super active there also. And uh, yeah, just any other social media platform, uh, Flurn, that's PH Learn. And uh, we've got an account on there. And then for my personal account, if you want to follow, I'm most active on Instagram, my personal Instagram is AK Nacer, A-K-N as in Nancy, A-C-E-R. Uh, mostly post stories and things like that of, you know, daily life and yeah. just having fun and things like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a, you know, good way to get in touch with, get in touch with me and the company on a day-to-day basis. That's perfect. Well, again, thank you so much amidst all that's going on for making time for myself and for our listeners. It's been really great to be able to connect with you. Everybody listening in, make sure you go to the show notes, bocapodcast.com. We'll link to all these resources and conversation points in the show notes there. Take advantage. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.